Chapter Five of France and England in North America, Part Five. Count Frontenac, New France, Louis the Fourteenth, by Francis Parkman Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five, sixteen eighty two to sixteen eighty four, Lefebvre de la Barre. When the new governor La Barre and the new intendant Meul arrived at Quebec, a dismal greeting awaited them all the lower town was in ashes except the house of the merchant aubert de la chenay standing alone amid the wreck on a tuesday the fourth of august at ten o'clock in the evening the nuns of the hotel dieu were roused from their early slumbers by shouts outcries and the ringing of the bells and writes one of them what was our terror to find it as light as noonday the flames burned so fiercely and rose so high half an hour before chartsy de loubinire judge of the king's court heard the first alarm ran down the descent now called mountain street and found everything in confusion in the town below the house of etienne planchon was in a blaze the fire was spreading to those of his neighbors and had just leaped the narrow street to the storehouse of the jesuits the season was excessively dry there were no means of throwing water except kettles and buckets and the crowd was bewildered with excitement and fright men were ordered to tear off roofs and pull down houses but the flames drove them from their work and at four o'clock in the morning fifty-five buildings were burnt to the ground they were all of wood but many of them were storehouses filled with goods and the property consumed was more in value than all that remained in canada under these gloomy auspices lefebvre de la barre began his reign he was an old officer who had achieved notable exploits against the english in the west indies but who was now to be put to a test far more severe he made his lodging in the chateau while his colleague meul could hardly find a shelter the buildings of the upper town were filled with those whom the fire had made roofless and the intendant was obliged to content himself with a house in the neighbouring woods here he was ill at ease for he dreaded an indian war and the scalping knives of the iroquois so far as his own safety was concerned his alarm was needless but not so as regarded the colony with whose affairs he was charged for those who had eyes to see it a terror and a woe lowered in the future of canada in an evil hour for her the iroquois had conquered their southern neighbours the andestes who had long held their ground against them and at one time threatened them with ruin the hands of the confederates were now free their arrogance was redoubled by victory and having long before destroyed all the adjacent tribes on the north and west they looked for fresh victims in the wilderness beyond their most easterly tribe the mohawks had not forgotten the chastisement they had received from tracy and courcelles they had learned to fear the french and were cautious in offending them but it was not so with the remoter iroquois of these the senecas at the western end of the long house as they called their five-fold league were by far the most powerful for they could muster as many warriors as all the four remaining tribes together and they now sought to draw the confederacy into a series of wars which though not directed against the french threatened soon to involve them their first movement westward was against the tribes of the illinois i have already described their bloody inroad in the summer of sixteen eighty they made the valley of the illinois a desert and returned with several hundred prisoners of whom they burned those that were useless and incorporated the young and strong into their own tribe this movement of the western iroquois had a double incentive their love of fighting and their love of gain it was a war of conquest and of trade 
all the five tribes of the league had become dependent on the english and dutch of albany for guns powder lead brandy and many other things that they had learned to regard as necessities beaver skins alone could buy them but to the iroquois the supply of beaver skins was limited the regions of the west and northwest the upper mississippi with its tributaries and above all the forests of the upper lakes were occupied by tribes in the interest of the french whose missionaries and explorers had been the first to visit them and whose traders controlled their immense annual product of furs la salle by his newly built fort of st louis engrossed the trade of the illinois and miami tribes while the hurons and ottawas gathered about the old mission of michilimackinac acted as factors for the sioux the winnebagoes and many other remote hordes every summer they brought down their accumulated beaver skins to the fair of montreal while french bushrangers roving through the wilderness with or without licenses collected many more it was the purpose of the iroquois to master all this traffic conquer the tribes who had possession of it and divert the entire supply of furs to themselves and through themselves to the english and dutch that english and dutch traders urged them on is affirmed by the french and is very likely the accomplishment of the scheme would have ruined canada moreover the illinois the hurons the ottawas and all the other tribes threatened by the iroquois were the allies and children of the french who in honour as an interest were bound to protect them hence when the seneca invasion of the illinois became known there was deep anxiety in the colony except only among those in whom the hatred of the monopolist la salle had overborne every consideration of the public good la salle's new establishment of st louis was in the path of the invaders and if he could be crushed there was wherewith to console his enemies for all else that might ensue bad as was the posture of affairs it was made far worse by an incident that took place soon after the invasion of the illinois a seneca chief engaged in it who had left the main body of his countrymen was captured by a party of winnebagoes to serve as a hostage for some of their tribe whom the senecas had lately seized they carried him to michilimackinac where there chanced to be a number of illinois married to indian women of that neighbourhood a quarrel ensued between them and the seneca whom they stabbed to death in the lodge of the kiskakon one of the tribes of the ottawas here was a casus belli likely to precipitate a war fatal to all the tribes about michilimackinac and equally fatal to the trade of canada frontenac set himself to conjure the rising storm and sent a messenger to the iroquois to invite them to a conference he found them unusually arrogant instead of coming to him they demanded that he should come to them and many of the french wished him to comply but frontenac refused on the ground that such a concession would add to their insolence and he declined to go farther than montreal or at the utmost fort frontenac the usual place of meeting with them early in august he was at montreal expecting the arrival of the ottawas and hurons on their yearly descent from the lakes they soon appeared and he called them to a solemn council terror had seized them all father take pity on us said the ottawa orator for we are like dead men a huron chief named the rat declared that the world was turned upside down and implored the protection of anuncio who is master of the whole earth these tribes were far from harmony among themselves each was jealous of the other and the ottawas charged the hurons with trying to make favour with a common enemy at their expense frontenac told them that they were all his children alike and advised them to live together as brothers and make treaties of alliance with all the tribes of the lakes 
at the same time he urged them to make full atonement for the death of the seneca murdered in their country and carefully to refrain from any new offence soon after there was another arrival la forêt the officer in command of fort frontenac appeared bringing with him a famous iroquois chief called de canesora or teganosaurans attended by a number of warriors they came to invite frontenac to meet the deputies of the five tribes at oswego within their own limits frontenac's reply was characteristic it is for the father to tell the children where to hold counsel not for the children to tell the father fort frontenac is the proper place and you should thank me for going so far every summer to meet you the iroquois had expressed pacific intentions towards the hurons and ottawas for this frontenac commended him but added the illinois are also children of annuncio and hence brethren of the iroquois therefore they too should be left in peace for annuncio wishes that all his family should live together in union he confirmed his words with a huge belt of wampum then addressing the flattered deputy as a great chief he desired him to use his influence in behalf of peace and gave him a jacket and a silk cravat both trimmed with gold a hat a scarlet ribbon and a gun with beads for his wife and red cloth for his daughter the iroquois went home delighted perhaps on this occasion frontenac was too confident of his influence over the savage confederates such at least was the opinion of lamberville jesuit missionary at onondaga the iroquois capital from what he daily saw around him he thought the peril so imminent that concession on the part of the french was absolutely necessary since not only the illinois but some of the tribes of the lakes were in danger of speedy and complete destruction tiganesorens loves the french he wrote to frontenac but neither he nor any other of the upper iroquois fear them in the least they annihilate our allies whom by adoption of prisoners they convert into iroquois and they do not hesitate to avow that after enriching themselves by our plunder and strengthening themselves by those who might have aided us they will pounce all at once upon canada and overwhelm it in a single campaign he adds that within the past two years they have reinforced themselves by more than nine hundred warriors adopted into their tribes such was the crisis when frontenac left canada at the moment when he was needed most and lefebvre de la barre came to supplant him the new governor introduces himself with a burst of rhodomontade the iroquois he writes to the king have twenty-six hundred warriors i will attack them with twelve hundred men they know me before seeing me for they have been told by the english how roughly i handled them in the west indies this bold note closes rather tamely for the governor adds i think that if the iroquois believe that your majesty would have the goodness to give me some help they will make peace and let our allies alone which would save the trouble and expense of an arduous war he then begs hard for troops and in fact there was great need of them for there were none in canada and even frontenac had been compelled in the last year of his government to leave unpunished various acts of violence and plunder committed by the iroquois la barre painted the situation in its blackest colours declared that the war was imminent and wrote to the minister we shall lose half our trade and all our reputation if we do not oppose these haughty conquerors a vein of gasconade appears in most of his letters not however accompanied with any conclusive evidence of a real wish to fight his best fighting days were past for he was sixty years old nor had he always been a man of the sword his early life was spent in the law he had held a judicial post and had been intendant of several french provinces 
even the military and naval employments in which he afterwards acquitted himself with credit were due to the part he took in forming a joint stock company for colonizing cayenne in fact he was but half a soldier and it was perhaps for this reason that he insisted on being called not monsieur le gouverneur but monsieur le général he was equal to frontenac neither in vigor nor in rank but he far surpassed him in avidity soon after his arrival he wrote to the minister that he should not follow the example of his predecessors in making money out of his government by trade and in consideration of these good intentions he asked for an addition to his pay he then immediately made alliances with certain merchants of quebec for carrying on an extensive illicit trade backed by all the power of his office now ensued a strange and miserable complication questions of war mingled with questions of personal gain there was a commercial revolution in the colony the merchants whom frontenac excluded from his ring now had their turn it was they who jointly with the intendant and the ecclesiastics had procured the removal of the old governor and it was they who gained the ear of the new one aubert de le chenet jacques lebert and the rest of their faction now basked in official favour and la salle la forêt and the other friends of frontenac were cast out there was one exception gresselon du lutte leader of coureurs de bois was too important to be thus set aside he was now as usual in the wilderness of the north the roving chief of a half-savage crew trading exploring fighting and labouring with persistent hardihood to foil the rival english traders of hudson's bay inducements to gain his adhesion were probably held out to him by la barre and his allies be this as it may it is certain that he acted in harmony with the faction of the new governor with la forêt it was widely different he commanded fort frontenac which belonged to la salle when la barre's associates la chenet and lebert armed with an order from the governor came up from montreal and seized upon the place with all that it contained the pretext for this outrage was the false one that la salle had not fulfilled the conditions under which the fort had been granted to him la forêt was told that he might retain his command if he would join the faction of la barre but he refused stood true to his chief and soon after sailed for france la barre summoned the most able and experienced persons in the colony to discuss the state of affairs their conclusion was that the iroquois would attack and destroy the illinois and this accomplished turned upon the tribes of the lakes conquer or destroy them also and ruin the trade of canada dark as was the prospect la barre and his fellow speculators flattered themselves that the war could be averted for a year at least the iroquois owed their triumphs as much to their sagacity and craft as to their extraordinary boldness and ferocity it had always been their policy to attack their enemies in detail and while destroying one to cajole the rest there seemed little doubt that they would leave the tribes of the lakes in peace till they had finished the ruin of the illinois so that if these the allies of the colony were abandoned to their fate there would be time for a profitable trade in the direction of the michilimackinac but hopes seemed vain and prognostics illusory when early in spring a report came that the seneca iroquois were preparing to attack in force not only the illinois but the hurons and ottawas of the lakes la barre and his confederates were in dismay they already had large quantities of goods at michilimackinac the point immediately threatened and an officer was hastily dispatched with men and munitions to strengthen the defences of the place a small vessel was sent to france with letters begging for troops i will perish at their head 
wrote la barre to the king or destroy your enemies and he assures the minister that the senecas must be attacked or the country abandoned the intendant meule shared something of his alarm and informed the king that the iroquois are the only people on earth who do not know the grandeur of your majesty while thus appealing to the king la barre sent charles le moine as envoy to onondaga through his influence a deputation of forty-three iroquois chiefs was sent to meet the governor at montreal here a grand council was held in the newly built church presents were given the deputies to the value of more than two thousand crowns soothing speeches were made them and they were urged not to attack the tribes of the lakes nor to plunder french traders without permission they assented and la barre then asked timidly why they made war on the illinois because they deserved to die haughtily returned the iroquois orator la barre did not answer they complained that la salle had given guns powder and lead to the illinois or in other words that he had helped the allies of the colony to defend themselves la barre who hated la salle and his monopolies assured them that he should be punished it is affirmed on good authority that he said more than this and told them they were welcome to plunder and kill him the rapacious old man was playing with a two-edged sword thus the illinois with the few frenchmen who had tried to defend them were left to perish and in return a brief and doubtful respite was gained for the tribes of the lakes la barre and his confederates took heart again merchandise in abundance was sent to michilimackinac and thence to the remoter tribes of the north and west the governor and his partner la chenet sent up a fleet of thirty canoes and a little later they are reported to have sent more than a hundred this forest trade robbed the colonists by forestalling the annual market of montreal while a considerable part of the furs acquired by it were secretly sent to the english and dutch of new york thus the heavy duties of the custom-house at quebec were evaded and silver coin was received in payment instead of questionable bills of exchange frontenac had not been faithful to his trust but compared to his successor he was a model of official virtue la barre busied himself with ostentatious preparation for war built vessels at fort frontenac and sent up fleets of canoes laden or partly laden with munitions but his accusers say that the king's canoes were used to transport the governor's goods and that the men sent to garrison fort frontenac were destined not to fight the iroquois but to sell them brandy last year writes the intendant m de la barre had a vessel built for which he made his majesty pay heavily and he proceeds to say that it was built for trade and was used for no other purpose if he continues the two king's vessels now at fort frontenac had not been used for trading they would have saved us half the expense we have been forced to incur in transporting munitions and supplies the pretended necessity of having vessels at this fort and the consequent employing of carpenters and sending up of iron cordage sails and many other things at his majesty's charge was simply in the view of carrying on trade he says farther that in may last the vessels canoes and men being nearly all absent on this errand the fort was left in so defenceless a state that a party of senecas returning from their winter hunt took from it a quantity of goods and drank as much brandy as they wanted in short he concludes it is plain that m de la barre uses this fort only as a depot for the trade of lake ontario in the spring of sixteen eighty three la barre had taken a step as rash as it was lawless and unjust 
he sent the chevalier de beaugis lieutenant of his guard with a considerable number of canoes and men to seize la salle's fort of st louis on the river illinois a measure which while gratifying the passions and the greed of himself and his allies would greatly increase the danger of rupture with the iroquois late in the season he dispatched seven canoes and fourteen men with goods to the value of fifteen or sixteen thousand livres to trade with the tribes of the mississippi as he had sown so he reaped the seven canoes passed through the country of the illinois a large war-party of senecas and cayugas invaded it in february la barre had told their chiefs that they were welcome to plunder the canoes of la salle the iroquois were not discriminating they fell upon the governor's canoes seized all the goods and captured the men then they attacked beaugis at fort st louis the place perched on a rock was strong and they were beaten off but the act was one of open war when la barre heard the news he was furious he trembled for the vast amount of goods which he and his fellow speculators had sent to michilimackinac and the lakes there was but one resource to call out the militia muster the indian allies advance to lake ontario and dictate peace to the senecas at the head of an imposing force or failing in this to attack and crush them a small vessel lying at quebec was dispatched to france with urgent appeals for immediate aid though there was little hope that it could arrive in time she bore a long letter half piteous half bombastic from la barre to the king he declared that extreme necessity and the despair of the people had forced him into war and protested that he should always think it a privilege to lay down life for his majesty i cannot refuse to your country of canada and your faithful subjects to throw myself with unequal forces against the foe while at the same time begging your aid for a poor unhappy people on the point of falling victims to a nation of barbarians he says that the total number of men in canada capable of bearing arms is about two thousand that he received last year a hundred and fifty raw recruits and that he wants in addition seven or eight hundred good soldiers recall me he concludes if you will not help me for i cannot bear to see the country perish in my hands at the same time he declares his intention to attack the senecas with or without help about the middle of august here we leave him for a while scared excited and blustering End of chapter five